a random encounter at a broadcasting facility, a shared interest and love of all things Marvel, Excelsior, a misinterpreted program title, and behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick, podcaster and comic book enthusiast, and Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists Deconstructing WandaVision. Thanks for the name, John. Mm. Before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode, like I said, we're going to do a quick little bit of housekeeping, whatever the expression is. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at The Marvelists. We're also individual. Eddie is currently on assignment in... Shaolun, wherever Iron Fist is, wherever he nice. does his thing with his glowing fist. I I read like five Iron Fist stories in my life, <laughs> but I digress. Joining us today on this episode is my friend Katie. She is a lifelong Marvel fan, and specifically, she is a fan of some characters that are going to be making an appearance, but we, we're not going to bury the lead on that surprise, but Katie... Hello, and thank you for putting up with my uh, bullshittery. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) This has been a long time coming, and yeah, you know, especially, well, not a long time coming for the debut of those two characters. That was pretty damn fast. And I gotta gotta preface this episode by saying, I invited you to do this show uh, last week, and I said, when the characters make their debut, you will be on the show. Little did I know they would debut on the very next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's super exciting. Um, I'm really glad that it happened so quickly um, because I think that it it might give us an opportunity to like actually see them as children or maybe even as teenagers by the end of the show, uh, which is super exciting because then they'll actually get some character development. I actually thought they were going to maybe be, you know, like looking like they were four or five years old by the end of the episode and might as well just, you know, announce the debut of Billy and Tommy, who are... Uh, they are Wiccan and Speed from the Young Avengers. And again, you got me into these characters a couple of years ago. I actually tracked down the Young Avengers trade by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung. Did I, did I pronounce Jim's name correctly? I believe so, yeah. But they made their debut in the 12-issue series. Technically, they made their debut in here, like as, you know, adults. But we later on find out that they are the babies that Wanda had in the, I think, 12-issue miniseries, Scarlet Witch and the Vision? Yes. Question mark. <laughs> but, and Eddie's going to love that uh, question mark, by the way. Well, hi, Eddie. You're listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they made their debut in that series, and yeah. Tell us about the characters, what what you like about them as much as you do. Um. So, you know, getting started with Marvel Comics is really hard because it's overwhelming, Um, and you know, you're presented with all of these comics and it's like, where do I start? Like, what, what do I do? How do I start? And, you know, I've been a fan of comics since I was a kid, but like, I always read them sort of out of order because like my cousins had them and I didn't really have them. Uh, and then my friend got Marvel Unlimited and he was like, Hey, you should read, you should use my account and read some comics. Now I have my own account. So, but at the time I was using his account and 
I was like, well, where do I start? And he said, you would really like the Young Avengers. I think that's the kind of thing you would like. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I was immediately, like, I read the first issue and I was like, this is everything I've ever wanted from, like, a Marvel comic. This is, like, it's it was so good and it was such a great introduction. And since then, I've done so much more reading, but that was kind of, like, my introduction to comics as an adult um, instead of, like, in my, like, adolescence or when I was younger um as an adult I started reading Young Avengers um and so you know for those of you who don't know what Young Avengers is I would highly recommend checking it out it's awesome it's just um like a group of kids who kind of come together without spoiling they come together the Avengers are disassembled um after that major event and they come together to sort of fill the void of the disassembled Avengers um to defeat Kang the Conqueror. Uh, and they're truly just a group of teenagers who are like, well, if the, if the adults aren't going to do it because they're all being babies and broke up, then I guess someone has to step up and they kind of gain the attention of the Avengers. And it's funny because a lot of it is like the, the real Avengers being like, you guys are kids. You need to stop. <laughs> and like, they don't because they're like, no, you're not going to do your job. So we'll do it for you. Um, and so uh, Billy Kaplan or uh, uh, Billy, as we saw in the in the WandaVision episode, is Wiccan. Uh, and again, like you said, he wasn't initially known to be the child of Scarlet Witch. It was revealed in a later comic. But people were speculating early on that that he might be uh, the, the child of Scarlet Witch because his powers are very similar. Uh, and then his twin brother is, uh, of course, Tommy Shepard, uh, and he is Speed. And I'm sure you can uh, piece together what, what his superpower <laughs> is based on his name. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I got for like an introduction for those characters. That's a solid introduction. <laughs> And a lot of people are speculating what this could mean for the future of the Marvel you know, Cinematic Universe. And this could be the stealth debut of the Young Avengers. We've been like slowly piecing it together. Cassie Lang is coming in. She's going to be in there as well, I believe. Kate Bishop. And yeah, you know, as I lovingly call her on the show, Lady Hawk Guy. And it's it's very much a Again, a stealth introduction of these characters. You don't get to really have that very much in the uh, movies because it's very on the nose. Like, hey, just to let everybody know, we're bringing this in. You know, when the Avengers assembled, we knew what was going to happen. But this is very subtle and for the hardcore fans who are very much familiar with these characters. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think it's really exciting. Um, like, I know, because they initially announced, I think the first character that they announced they were going to do, well, we had Cassie. And um, I know my friend was a little, when they first announced Ant-Man, he was like, oh, Hank Pym. And then it wasn't Hank, it was Scott. And my friend was like, that's a weird decision. Like, I don't know why they do Scott first. And then it ended up, like, working out really well. Um and that also brought us Cassie. And so that was like kind of like the first seeds of like, hey, we've got Cassie Lang, this character who not a lot of people know unless you're a Young Avengers fan. But if you're a Young Avengers fan, she's part of the team. Uh, and then, you know, WandaVision came out and I saw the first trailer and I was like, oh, this is it. This is going to be Billy and Tommy. Um, and then now we know that for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they confirmed that Isaiah Bradley is going to be a character. Um, and those of you who don't know who Isaiah Bradley is, you'll find out for, through uh, through Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But uh, he's a really interesting character. And his grandson, uh, Elijah Bradley, is one of the main 
original Young Avengers. And again, it, I love how it is very subtle with all of these, you know, decisions. Like, again, no one, not many people are realizing, hey, this is going to be happening. And I would say we're off to the races with a really good start for this. And do you see Young Avengers going off being a series on like Disney Plus or do you see it getting the theatrical treatment? I don't know. Like, honestly, and like, you know, I know that this isn't like the most kosher thing to say, but like, you can't have the Young Avengers without queerness. Like, literally every single one of them is gay. Um, like, uh, literally all of them. <laughs> so, like, there, there's even a line in one of the particular comics where Kate Bishop says, am I the only straight person on the team? And then America Chavez looks at her and says, oh, I, oh, princess, I've seen the way you look at me. You're not that straight. And, like, <laughs> like it's so funny because, like, it's just, like, a group of queer young adults. And, you know, I, I just don't know if theatrically, if they're going, like, I don't know if they have the balls to, like, launch into these queer characters because you really can't have these characters especially billy like you billy kaplan you know wiccan is gay like you can't have his character without that like that's like his entire character um and so like they it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to do a theatrical movie because they can't market that to china um it's it's not the kind of thing you can edit out you know it's not like I th- yeah. I have a feeling, given the way not only how the team works, but also how I don't know, just the, the way the story could work. I could s- definitely see it being a Disney Plus show in like three years. Same. Like once they get those other shows and movies out, I could see them in a couple years going for the Young Avengers um, as a series. And I think if they do that, I, I do think that with comic based stuff, television shows might be better than movies in terms of telling the story because it it can it can it can you know quote unquote read more like a comic and I do think that I could I could very much see them doing a show with it I hope they keep some of the queerness in especially with Billy and Hulkling and stuff like that uh, and I think they will too I think if they don't they're gonna see like the base for that like all those fans are gonna be upset oh people are and gonna freak out that that sh- <laughs> oh they'd freak out yeah and I think the show is based for a younger audience and younger audiences are much more comfortable with that kind of stuff. So I do with the China points, a good one. And I could really see cause of all of that together, them doing a TV show, especially cause more kids nowadays like television than going to a movie. Anyways, that viewership's up in there. Um, and so I do, I could really see them making it a TV show personally, but um, either way, I think they're going to, I do think we're going to see television characters come into the movies. So I do think that regardless, you'll, you might see Wiccan in a movie, even if he's a TV show guy, um, because now that everything's going to streaming all the time, I really think you're going to start seeing major crossover. You've already seen it here with WandaVision. Yeah, and WandaVision um, kind of showed us that, like, oh, TV yep. shows work. Like, the, this is a great... Sh- Honestly, I'm having more fun than I've had in watching a Marvel movie in a really long time watching this show. Yes. So I think that it could, I, I hope that they do a show, honestly, because I don't want them to have to censor and then I just, agree. yeah. And then just have the characters show up in movies. Um, and you know, when they announced the secret invasion mo- uh, TV show, I was like, oh my God, like that, that's it. That's Teddy. Cause like, and that, again, not to spoil for the people who haven't read the comics, but like Teddy, um, or Hulkling has a big part of the secret invasion. Very involved. Yeah. In secret invasion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm very excited. <laughs> a, large, a large point. Yes. I hope they do that, but I also am nervous. I was thinking secret invasion was going to be the main next event yep. and it's looking like not. And so I'm really curious how they're going to play it. What the, 
what the um, I don't know plot behind it will be. But that would be really cool. Maybe that's how they'll introduce Hulkling. Yeah, um, I think they're gonna they have go him in like Captain Marvel. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I could see it. <laughs> Makes sense. So let's, we should get now, into the show, though. I yeah. will say, I do think we should probably get into the episode mm-hmm. at hand. Um, Actually, I do want to, but now I want to have a quick mini re detour right back in there. Could Ms. Marvel be one of the young Avengers down the line as well, like a founding member? Ms. Marvel? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. They could do that. She doesn't, totally like, be. she doesn't really, in, like, in the college, she's not one of the original, but I think she could be in the MCU because we have to remember that the, the MCU, MCU is not the comics. Yeah. It's its own thing. Yes. Yeah. And like, obviously we're going to, we have Iron Man three kid who I'm sorry. I don't remember his name. We all just know that. Like, <laughs> you know, he's the kid from Iron Man <laughs> three, but None he was at the funeral name. and like you paid that, that actor with all those big names in that one scene, you paid Iron him Lad. to be there. Why? Iron Lad. Iron yeah. Lad. He's Iron Lad. He's, He's not. Iron Lad. I, they're going to change Iron Lad from the <laughs> comics. I don't really have a problem with that because I don't really care I for agree. like the comic Iron Lad. I'm totally fine with them introducing a new character in, in the place yes. of Iron Lad and having it be, he will be that the child. Equivalent. Yes. Yeah. Now I am going to also say one other thing. We are saying Iron Lad, but if you remember, there is another character debuting as well. And that is Riri Williams, Ironheart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Yeah. We kind of have, I yeah, maybe they could do both, like have them in tag team tandem effort. Maybe. Again, who knows? Interesting, but yeah. There um, might even be like a battle for like, you know, who is going to be the iron in the group. All right, yeah. So this, so episode three, I, I liked it a lot. I do think that this episode was on first watch the creepiest. Like the, I was the most... In terms of world building, freaked out about the actual plot of the show. There was a couple moments that really hit me square. I'm not sure how you guys liked it. I do have less, though, in terms of the first two episodes were full of stuff. They were very jam-packed, and I feel like the third episode has a lot to talk about, and I have some theories, but I definitely found personally less than in the first two episodes. I don't know if you all agree with that or not. Well, this is the episode where I'm literally looking at a bottle of... uh dishwashing detergent in the background and going borderline Alex Jonesy and thinking, what does this mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at the doctor's tie. Cause it was a square pattern trying to see what it was. Yeah. It's bad. Like I just, again, the dishwashing detergent, like this is the episode where I'm like questioning borderline my own sanity now. Where I'm like, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it means something. It says coy. Uh, uh, uh they're being coy about the future. Yeah. Who That's knows? Funny. But yeah, it's yeah, an the, interesting episode. I do think this was a really interesting. I mean, I'm I have a lot of theorizing, but the first I, I think the interesting thing with the plot about the kids is it means one of two things. It means either they're not real if she got pregnant in the timeline of the show, if she was actually just got pregnant in the first episode or two, and then it's happened as quick as it's saying it is, then they're not real because nothing like because vision's not real, so it wouldn't be able to happen. So what I think is this latter option is that she was pregnant before the events of the show. And in her head, it's not, you know, in this reality she's created, it's um, that it happened overnight. But I think it's that she's been denying it and she was actually nine months pregnant the whole time and she had the kids. Because I do think those are the only really two options. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that, but. Um, That's a really yeah. interesting theory. What about that line of all the world's a stage referencing Shakespeare? I wrote that down, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the notes yes. I took. <laughs> I'm in agreement, I think. Uh, yeah. 
I think it's a Scotland baby from Infinity War, you know? So um, I think that it's a good theory to, to, to think that maybe she was pregnant before. Actually, my partner had called that when we were watching uh, Endgame, or not sure. Endgame, uh, Infinity War. He was like, I think Wanda's yeah. going to be pregnant. And I was like, I don't know. But, and like, so that's a possibility, but also like, you know, like to quote Dumbledore, just because it's happening in your head doesn't mean it's not real. Um, and so you just because this is we don't we don't know what this is like we don't know like is this in her head is this a simulate like what's happening we don't yes. fully know is vision real he could be real like scarlet witch does have the power like i mean at least in the comics to do something like this you know like the children in the comics are a wish like she wishes them into existence like you know and initially they're they're fragments of mephisto's soul um but you know how they come back later is that she pretty much wishes them into existence so yes i i think if for the mcu though i do think it would make sense that she was pregnant to begin with and that that's why it went so quickly i have a this is like my big theory if i i know peter you were obviously around for last week's episode I have joined the Mephisto train very recently. Same. The 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 events of this episode, as well as some of the theories I've read, and I kind of have like my two cents on it's pretty much that I think because I think that she was pregnant beforehand, and then after everything, after she came back and everyone came back, she's still pregnant, but she's a mess. And I do because obviously, and I do think that potentially that's that moment where Mephisto comes in and says, "Hey, I will give you Vision back. You just have to like trust me and do it. Do you got to?" kind of go do what i said Mm -hmm. and then i think it would explain if i i think it i think it would explain a few things i think it would explain sword's involvement because there's this extraterrestrial force compelling scarlet witch i think it explains because in the in the movies she's not that powerful yet Mm -hmm. like this stuff she's doing is so much more powerful than we've ever seen her do before so i think that that could also be someone aiding her and i think that potentially She's giving him vision or he's giving her vision. He's giving her stability, that life she wants to lead. And in return, he's going to want to come take the kids. And it would be a MCU friendly way to work in the fact that they're kind of demon babies is they're regular kids. But he wants those kids for whatever reason. I don't know. But that is like my right now feels like it could make sense. Um, that's yeah. my Mephisto theory <laughs> yeah i think so like i yeah i think you're definitely onto something there and i think that like so i wrote down like one of my theories for the episode is so mm-hmm. the the first manifestation of her power in the episode is when she says like when the baby kicks for the first time and then the butterflies start fluttering around the room um i think that it's not her controlling that i think it's billy <laughs> Um, yeah, yes, I think I it's wicked. Potentially too. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah because be throughout so the cool. episode, when the stork shows up, she can't make it go away. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought that was weird because, like, she throughout the other episodes, she's been in complete control of everything happening, yes. and in this episode, she wasn't. And and again, for those of you who don't know who what Wiccan's powers are, he is basically Scarlet Witch Extreme. Like, he can do everything yeah. she can, but like better, um, better. but better. <laughs> and like he, and also uh, Wiccan in particular, his powers are linked to emotions. So when she when he's kicking and she's like oh it's a fluttery feeling and then the butterflies fly around the room like Mm -hmm. it's very like how a baby yeah like how a baby would react and then when she um 
when the lights start flickering and when the water breaks, like it's all these funny yes. literal interpretations, but it's also like these little kid interpretations of something that would happen. And it's a baby. So I think that a lot of the powers we saw in this episode were um, red herrings that we're supposed to think that it's Scarlet Witch, but it's not, it's actually Wiccan, um, which also links into, for some reason, Vision had super speed the whole episode, which like, what yes. <laughs> so i think that was speed right like it's supposed to show us the audience like hey the babies are magic and like you know because i mean vision's yes. been fast but like he was particularly like i'm gonna super speed the whole episode yeah he was fast fast yeah well and i think too given the let's say we're working with a the theory that that the only things in this universe that are actually real are her and the children mm-hmm. then it would make sense as well that the powers of the kids are bleeding into the reality because this is a reality she's made in her head. And if with pregnancy, the mother and the child are, are connected, they obviously are connected. And, and so I could see that some of their powers leaking in a little bit into the, the reality she's created due to the fact that she's doing all those things. I, I really could see that happening. That's, that's a good theory that I kind of toyed with, but I wasn't sure if it made sense. So I'm glad you brought it up. Cause I don't think I would have, that was, that's a solid. Yeah. You know, I do. And I, one other thing in regards to the the whole idea that it might be Billy that's you know doing that, the idea it's the equivalent of uh, like a child causing nothing but mass chaos and no one can stop it because nothing can really stop the baby or the juggernaut yes. apparently. You know? Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. In the comics, when they find out about Billy, like the world, they're like, "Oh no, we cannot have another Scarlet Witch. Like we have to kill him because so we oh, we have one Scarlet Witch is enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like one Too Scarlet powerful. Witch is like has literally re- ripped apart and rewritten reality so many times." Um, like, no comma yeah. more mutants <laughs> yeah um, I think so I have two characters that I want to put a special spotlight on just because of the events of the episode um, Agnes and Geraldine play very interesting roles and I, there's a lot of speculation on who they both are and what they want and I am curious to hear what both you have to say I'm not sure what you guys are thinking well, but I'm curious those are the two characters that feel to me to have the most, um, you know, backstory or the ones that are the most involved in the plot. So what are you guys thinking about them? Well, for me, with uh, with Geraldine or, you know, it's Monica. Yeah. I never thought a aspect ratio change in a show would be as haunting as it was. But mm-hmm. holy shit, was that yeah. I got chills. Me. Yeah. I was like, whoa. That was scary. Yeah. <laughs> that was and good. Oh, my God. Uh, Well, in regards to Geraldine slash Monica, you know, Katie and I were talking like right before. Oh, thanks. Oh, boy. The tropes with this version of the character. Mm hmm. Katie, I'll tag it over to you. Well, I mean, like, yeah, like, you know, like I I pointed out to Peter that um, this episode was like particularly strange in that, like, there were a lot of weird sexist jokes with the doctor and I don't know what they were going yes. for. And I like, I, I caught on to ones that Peter didn't catch on to. Like, um, well, the doctor in the beginning is like, Oh, well we, we compare the baby to fruit the because, fruit, yeah. and then as she's eating the fruit, it's supposed to be an indication of how far along she is. Cause like she's eating the pineapple. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I was like, okay, that's fine. And then, the doctor at the end, he looks up, um, I want to keep calling her Monica, but Geraldine, <laughs> he looks at Geraldine and he's like, 
oh, you'd make a great nurse. But she single-handedly delivered the baby herself. And he's like, you'd make a great nurse. And, like, she makes a face, and then Wanda makes a face. And I was like, that's such a weird, like, why have this weird sexist doctor? Um, I think it's just trying to emulate the show, like, the shows of the time period. Maybe there's something more to it. Um, But if they were doing that, then, like... writing? Yeah, like, I don't know. I also pointed out that, like... It's weird, though. I agree. Yeah, they have, like, the Lamaze breathing, and so, like, this is something that, like, you might not know, but, like, Lamaze breathing has been kind of discredited because, like, Lamaze, the doctor who invented it, was pretty sexist. Um, Like, it it doesn't... It's ineffective, right? Like, it's, it's meant to calm hysterical women. Like, the whole point of it is to be, like, oh, women are annoying when they give birth because they scream and cry, so let's just make them breathe instead. Um, And so the whole episode, yeah, that's literally what it was. Um, And, like, so some people still practice Lamaze because it it does, like, psychologically, like, distract you from what's happening. But for the most part, it's been dismissed as, like, it's not something we practice. It's not something that's in media anymore. But it was in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Um, Like, because it was still, like, oh, women, you know, haha. That does make sense then, yeah. Um, and so I just thought it was interesting, um, as far as, um, uh, Geraldine's character, I mean, yeah, like she's, they, they're like, oh, she's foxy. Like, she's going to walk around the house and talk like this with her Afro and be like, oh, you know, but again, I think it is supposed to be mimicking the 1970s. Um, and there's that really good moment where she says, what was that sound? And she breaks the character and she's like, what was that? And like, you see her like, like the the mask melt off her face yeah Yeah. um and Um, and so like i'm not i'm not a person of color so i I, i'm not gonna really comment on like my personal interpretation of that representation of a character um but you know i think it would be interesting if you guys in the future would would take somebody on who could give an interpretation of geraldine maybe after the like the series has ran its course like bring somebody on who can talk about how they feel about monica slash geraldine's portrayal and I hope she's in it more. I know she left the thing. I hope she is not done for the season. I mean, I, I do think in terms of the, the I, all of what you said, I completely agree with. In terms of the character, I think she was a sword agent that came in and got stuck in and couldn't get out. And I and, and this is, I'm not positive about this, but I could see it being, uh, she had a moment where she felt like she had enough control to say something. And so she decided to really smack Wanda in the face with her like opportunity. Oh um, yeah. And then like, like, you know, Agnes, um, that was a weird decision, you know? Yeah. And like Agnes, so, so Agnes in the trailers, right. If we're going to talk about the trailers, there's a particular line in one of the trailers where she's looking at vision and she says, you're one of the Avengers. Are you here to save us? And like, and then in this episode, Herb said, oh, we're, we're all, we're all, and it's like, you're all what? Like, are they dead? Is this like purgatory? Are they trapped? Like, what are they? Um, and, you know, the, there's obviously crazy theories that I also, I, I think so too. I think that Ag, uh, Agnes is uh, Agatha Harkness. Like, obviously, that's who she is. Um, sure, yes. But like, you know, I, it's just interesting because it's, like we get that that there's something sus about her because she's like the nosy neighbor who's always there and being sus and whispering, but like I don't know like the whispering too. Like, do you guys catch in episode two when Vision shows up at the library? They're all whispering, and then when he shows up, they look very uncomfortable that he's there. Um, yes, and then all of a yeah. sudden it's a joke, and it's like, oh, we're gonna eat pastries, haha! But they were definitely like. Not they didn't want him there. Like there was something sus going on when he got there. 
Um, so I think that's really interesting. I'm excited to see how this plays out because honestly, I have no idea, you know? Yes. I think Agnes being Agatha Harkness works really well. And I think she's maybe working with Mephisto yeah. as a, as an intermediary of, and again, she's always around to make sure things are going right. Right. In the first episode, she says that the heart is, uh, you know, maybe it's an anniversary trying to get her into the show. And as things have gone on here, she's stopping her husband from saying whatever he was going to say. I think he was going to say we're all trapped because I do think they're all real people that have been stuck or they might be fake people. Maybe they were maybe she, you know, booped him up in her head or something. Um, but I do think that Agnes is Agatha Harkness is a good. A good a theory that makes a lot of sense. At least. Well, with with that, in regards to the Agatha Harkness uh, theory, one other thing she keeps mentioning Ralph, her husband. Yes. And the remark recently, I saw it last week on Reddit, was her husband in the comics, Agatha Hark, I guess a partner or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but he never shows up in the comics either. So some people were saying, is he going to make his debut in the show? Like the first time we ever even see him even over the comics. I think it's going to be, again, that trope in sitcoms in television history where it is a character who's told, talked about, but never seen. Yep. Yeah. I don't think, I I think he's supposed to be a throwaway joke, but I also think, because she mentions him like once or twice per episode, and I think that when it's all over, we're going to be able to like maybe piece together all the little like offhand comments she makes about him to like maybe make an assumption. Um, Because this one, it was, he looks better in the dark. It's like, okay, hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm, yes. It's very interesting. She, She, there's something definitely sus about her, but my partner thinks that it's a bait and switch. He's like, I don't, um, I don't think that, that she's really as sus as, I think they want, he said it's too obvious that she's sus. And I was like, I guess we'll see. It is pretty obvious, but I also think that she, so, so she's directly posed against Geraldine, who's confirmed quote unquote good guy. You know, she, mm-hmm. Geraldine's a sword agent. She's a character we've known before. And you see that Agnes is just like trying to dispel as much as she can about her, why she's, why she's weird and she doesn't belong here and she shouldn't be here. And so that makes me feel like she's in, she's in it in some capacity. I don't think she's just one of the townspeople. I don't think she's a good guy or I don't think she's a sword person. Mm-hmm. So that means she's someone else, whether it's, uh, whether it's Hydra or AIM or Mephisto or a fourth party, I, I do think she's involved and I don't think she's a good guy, but she might be the bait and switch. Peter knows how I feel about Dottie and where she might come into play. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah. And again, this is the third episode in the row, though, where Phil steals the show with the, oh, thank oh God, God, and the power goes out. Yeah. Classic joke for classic period joke i loved that one and then the line where her and vision are back to back wanda and vision are back to back and wanda just says it stopped like i think those two yeah. moments just made me chuckle when i first saw it i was like dude that's hilarious um so those are two very kind of classic uh period jokes that actually hit well in the way they were supposed to to me at least this show is funny Yes. Yeah, I was just like, I wasn't expecting it to be as funny as it is, but I, I laugh every episode. But sorry, continue. It's funny and it's unsettling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny and it's unsettling. Uh, Peter, what's up? Yep. Yeah, and speaking of unsettling, daydream believer. Who boy? Yeah, interesting well, song choice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, that uh, usage of that song, and there's oh so many different interpretations we can have with this. Initially, yes. when I heard it, I thought the line was, wake up, sleepy Jean, but I'm listening to it again a second time, like, oh, it's cheer up. And then mm-hmm. my theory at first was dispelled, and then, oh, wait, that still makes sense. But I want to throw it over to Katie for this, where there's oh so much to unpack with this song. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, I, I mean, they used the song in one of the trailers. Um, and so, like, people started theorizing, like, I, like I, at least I did, like, back when they, they dropped it in one of the trailers. I was like, oh, interesting song choice, you know, because the song is, it's about, like, a person who's depressed and, and her husband is like, you need to cheer up and stop living in your daydreams because, like, life is happening all around you. At least that's the interpretation I get of the song because he's like, you you know, you were you were a homecoming queen, but now you're high school's over and you've got to wake up to the reality around you. Um, and so it's an interesting song choice to use for, for specifically the scene that more, uh, you know, Geraldine gets dispelled from the universe of like, you know, she's waking up to the reality around her, but the song is obviously about Wanda too, of like, you know, Wanda suffered one of not just one of, but two of the biggest losses in the entire universe. Like, she lost her brother to Ultron, and then she lost, you know, her partner to to Thanos. And, you know, we were, I recently, because WandaVision was coming out, I rewatched, uh, I was texting Peter about it. I was rewatching uh, a lot of the, the movies that had Wanda and Vision in it. And at the very end of Endgame, she says to Clint, she says, um, he, well, he says, do you think she knows? And he, she says, yes, they both do. And my partner was like, oh, I think she means vision. And I said, who else would she mean? And he was like, oh, well, I thought she meant like Quicksilver because Clint and Quicksilver had like that little like relationship. And I was like, no, I always did it. Like she meant vision because he was a casualty of the thing they just went through. Um, and so, you know, her, Scarlet Witch being depressed and being, you know, like miserable about the world around her. We don't know what happened to them post. Like the only thing we have is far from home, which is an interlude between the, 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 the end of the first story and the beginning of the second one. And I, I would say that this is, this is the beginning of the second story. And we're going to be finding out more about how she coped with what happened, how everybody coped with what happened, you know? And like, you know, Tony Stark is dead. It's a, it's a whole new universe that we're coming into. And so I think it's a really interesting song choice to be like, you need to snap out of this and you need to wake up to the world around you. Well, cause at the end of the day, this show, regardless of the theories and what you believe and who's behind it, the fact is that Wanda is in some capacity creating a reality. And that reality is her way of coping with all the things she's faced. And you're seeing it in you know, popular theories that all those commercials are moments from her past, right? They're all involved with Hydra and the, the beepings, the bomb in the car. And there's, you know, like there's a bunch of different theories on the commercials all being some of the tragedy in her life. And at the end of the day, regardless of who's involved with what, her, what Scarlet Witch is doing in this is trying to make a better reality for herself. And that's why at the end of this episode, that creepy smile where she's standing in the foreground and Vision's back in the background is so indicative to me of like visions, not important really. Right. He's a piece of this puzzle and this puzzles her being happy. And this is whether it's what Mephisto promised her, what she's created by herself, what sword is giving to her. So she doesn't implode and kill everybody, whatever. At the end of the day, this is her finding happiness. That's what the show's about. Yep. And I think that's really powerful. And it, and it, 
I mean, I love this creates we're going to like these characters more than any other characters. Like these characters have been personalized more than anyone else in the any of the Avengers of the Marvel Universe. Like this show is humanizing them so much more than any of the movies uh-huh. humanize any of the characters, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And somebody pointed out earlier in this conversation, the um, uh, the world's a stage, all the world's a stage and we're merely players like an interesting Shakespearean quote to pick, you know, and it's, you know, the, mm-hmm. we're all players in her in her play, like all of us are like, and, and and you watch how some of the other characters will wake up to the reality and be like, where are we? What's happening? And Vision, more than any other character, questions the reality. Like in episode one, yes. he says, what do we do here at this job? And then, you know, in, in, in all the episodes, he's like, wait, what what's happening? And like, and, you know, in, in episode two, she says when the beekeeper comes out of the, the sewer, she says, no, like, no, abs- like, no, we're yeah. going to go back and do it again. Because, like, she it's clearly her mental state has a lot to do and her anxiety. Yes. You know, she makes what's his name choke in episode one. She makes him choke. If you watch, like, she looks at him and then he starts choking while he's yelling at her. She looks at him and then he's choking. Um and, um, yeah, also one of the things I want to bring up, uh, is her accent. Have you guys been catching her accent slipping in every episode? Yeah, there was one. Yeah. I noticed it this episode for the first, I didn't notice it before, but this episode I did notice it. Yeah. Yeah. She, she slips it in, in episode one, she slips it in. Like I, I caught it and I thought I was imagining it, but then after rewatching it, when she says vision, help him, like the way her voice, it's not the way she's been talking the whole episode, the whole episode, she's been, you know, the transatlantic accent and like, Oh, vision. And then she's like, vision, help him. And like the way she says it, her accent slowly slips back in. And then in episode two, when she says no, like it's not the same voice she's been using and it's completely different. And then in episode three, it's when, as soon as she brings up her brother, it slips. And singing in Sokovian as well. So it's exciting and And spooky. There's a lot of us, you know, there's a lot of speculation as well in regards to, Quicksilver, what this could mean, because recently they just announced, you know, or a few months ago they announced that Evan Peters, the former Quicksilver in the X universe, the uh, Fox uh, X Men movies, will be involved. And a lot of speculation is what is going, to, what is this going to mean of this character, this actor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he's the second this... top billing in the show. I think Evan Peters is the number two in the cast list. So he's going to be involved in a relatively major way, at least in part. And I do think they're going to make him part of the universe. And we've got the multiverse of madness coming. Like, you know, we've got. I think Wanda's going to merge the X-Men. I really do. Um, I could see it happening through Quicksilver, you know? I think it's a good opportunity for Disney to pick and choose which characters they want (laughs) to and leave the other ones behind. (laughs) Yes. She's got a MacGuffin fingertips. It's awesome. Yeah. And there's always the, you know, what what is this version of the character? You know, it's supposedly before the Disney snipers came along and had him delete his tweet in, uh, I believe, Brazil, the voice actor who dubs uh, Evan Peters in the Fox movies was uh, told he's going to reprise the character. And he goes, I recorded my lines and I get to be Quicksilver again in WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then five minutes later, that tweet's gone. Yep. Oops. (laughs) Big oops. And my speculation, I've seen it discussed, this might be Mephisto posing as a alternate universe Quicksilver. 
sad. And that's what happened. Oh, I like that. that. Sad. That's sad. I don't. I don't like that. I don't want that to happen. That's, that's <laughs> depressing. You want everything to be happy. <laughs> I. I don't want Evan Peters. I want. I want MCU Quicksilver. Like I. I don't know. Everyone like simps over Evan Peters Quicksilver, and maybe it's because I'm not a fan of the X Men movies. But like. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really nervous about the new Spider Man because everyone's getting so hype, and I'm like, guys, that's a lot of characters. Yes, yes. that's a lot of characters, yeah. and it's not going to be. It, it's going to be too much. Like, I don't like everyone. I don't know what they're expecting a five hour movie. Like, I it's not going to. I'm really anxious about Spider Man three because uh, I mean we're cursed with Spider Man three, so like I'm anxious <laughs> about it. And like, well, I, I don't know. I'm yes. I'm anxious. Oh, well. <laughs> I, I, Funny you I should mention that. It's a good, yeah, go yeah, go for it. Yeah, Spider-Man three. There was a uh, behind the scenes picture of uh, Spidey in the suit, MCU Spidey, Tom Holland, and he's doing that dance from Spider-Man oh, three. Oh no! So, <laughs> yes, I'm yes. afraid. The meme like, is supreme. I, I'm afraid that like they're gonna try to do too much, and like people are like, "Oh, I'm so excited!" And I'm like, "Why are you excited? It's gonna be so much." Like, I don't know. I, I trust them because they haven't let me down yet. Um, but like, I'm just so anxious about like, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then like we've got Multiverse of Madness, which um, I that was my first speculation that oh they're bringing the Young Avengers in when they announced that movie because oh Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. Um, for those of you again who don't read the comics, um, Billy is next in line to be the Sorcerer Supreme. So like the only reason that I could foresee Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch teaming up for a movie is because it has to do with Billy. Like. He's the next Sorcerer Supreme, and he's also, like, the Demiurge. Like, he's the most power, one of the most powerful beings in the universe, and he's only 22. Like, there's so much that's going to happen with this character. He's really growing, and he was just announced, like, this isn't a spoiler, because it was just announced by Marvel. He's going to be with the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics, and, like, so, like, he's really, like, pushing his way into the into the universe. I'm very excited, because he is my favorite Marvel character. Uh, but, I don't know, I'm... I'm nervous about the idea of a multiverse. I I I don't know. It's very rarely done done well, um, and I think things can get really bonkers when you start being like all the movies, all of the like possibilities, and it's like, oh no, okay, well, you just went from linear storytelling to like, you know, not to you know revert back to 2012, but wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Like I don't. Oof. It's yeah, I know. I just quoted. <laughs> I just quoted to like <laughs> Doctor Who, but like seriously, it goes from linear to wibbly wobbly, and you're like, okay. So I'm anxious, but I'm also excited. You know, if that makes sense. <laughs> and we're, we're also yeah. supposed like supposedly the headlines are going around now saying that somebody else is going to be showing up in Spider Man Three, and now it is apparently confirmed, at least not through the trades, but Charlie Cox is going to be Daredevil. And I, when I saw that, I'm just like, I'm. Yeah. And like I'm hyped about it, but at the same time I'm like, oh cool, we're shoehorning even more and we're going to make, you know, that impact less. But then again, you have Civil War where Black Panther makes his debut the same exact time a certain wall crawler does. But then again also, I I don't know. I again, in Feige I trust, but Yeah. Uh, and the Fantastic be... 4 you know, we're getting the Fantastic yeah. Four, so that's going to be interesting. 
which, by the way, patreon.com slash the marvelous because I'm not above a cheap plug. Uh, <laughs> we can, you can check out the fantastic voyage where we cover all 102 issues of the Stan Lee and Jack Kirby run. Fun. <laughs> yes. Well, I will say that I, I liked the episode. I think they, they set up a bit more, but not too much. There's a lot coming down the pipe you can kind of tell and i'm excited to see where they take it um what uh what do you guys have like how much did you guys like this episode in comparison to the other episodes like was it top of the lobby was it somewhere in the middle middle um for me for me yeah for me i i i just really don't like childbirth episodes um, in anything ever, I there it's all. I mean, I get the, in this one it was particularly like gimmicky and goofy, so it was fine. But like, I it, I, don't, I don't like them. I think that they're always like misinformed, very badly informed, um, and like badly portrayed. And like, I mean, this one was it was goofy. It was magic, so it's fine. But I, I didn't like it for that reason. But I mean, my two favorite, like two of my favorite Marvel characters ever are little babies. So I'm excited about that. But I did like episode, uh, I think episode two is my favorite so far. I agree. For me with the show, I've been flip, like I've been flip flopping between uh, one and two as being my favorite. Mm-hmm. But right now, Number two is honestly, it's kind of top of the pops right now. Like I've, you know, changed it quite a bit lately. Yeah, John. I agree. I mean, they're going, that's the thing. They're going through different phases with each episode. They have very different styles. They're going to be having different types of humor, different jokes, different things. So I do think you're going to find people gravitating both towards the aesthetic episode and like the way it looks and the type of jokes and the style of writing, but then also the actual plot and where it's going. So I think, that is where you're going to see some discrepancy in people's favorite episodes a lot. Yeah. My only grievance with this episode is they did not do something that they did in the last two episodes, and that was utilize Vision's catchphrase of, I don't eat food, and I'm, I'm so yeah. disappointed. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a so. little nod to it in the opening when there was ice cream. She, like, <laughs> like they had ice cream, and he like she kind of, like, looked at him, and it was cute. But, yeah, no, the... the so, wait, the, it is there. The food <laughs> jokes made me laugh, so... <laughs> So, for The Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Katie. And I'm John. Excelsior!